to another edition of Wrestling POV Global. I'm your host, TJ Logan, and with me, as always, my co-host, who I want to know where the heck he disappeared to last week, Magic Mike Singer. How you doing? How am I doing? Well, I'm a little bit miffed that we started a show and you kind of disappeared. Magic Mike, what happened? Well, TJ, a real magician never reveals his tricks, but you guys are patient enough. I may just reveal where I was, but for right now, I want to talk some wrestling. Oh, as infuriating as I can be with my co-host this week, indeed, it is time for us to go around the world of indie wrestling and check out some of those great companies that we've been talking about. There's more than WWE out there. Oh, absolutely, TJ. This is the best time in the world, I think, to be a pro wrestling fan because so much is going on to the independent scene. You know, ever since 2001, people thought, oh... There will never be another great wrestling organization because WWE has everything cornered. Not to be, folks. Pro wrestling on the indie scene is back with a vengeance, and I am excited. Well, you know what? Let's start off with our rumblings of the week. First of all, under our news category, Neville, formerly a cruiserweight in the WWE, who disappeared, was not happy, disappeared, went home, took his ball, has not been shown up for anywhere for so long, will be finally returning in January for Defiant Wrestling in Newcastle. Look for him under his old name of Pac, and it'll be interesting and fun to see him go again. Well, his original return was at Dragon Gate, and uh, the funny thing about it is now he's going back to Ireland to over-the-top wrestling, which an organization I've never heard of. Have you ever heard of these guys, TJ? Yes, I have. Over the Top is a pretty exciting, uh, I believe Finn Balor was uh, very much into them, and Becky Lynch came from there. True, true. And uh, I'll tell you what, now that we've seen him back in action, I'm excited because to me, Neville was one of the best wrestlers, not just a cruiserweight. See, that, that whole thing with WWE and the cruiserweight, I didn't like that because he was able to get in the ring and wrestle with the better guys, so yeah. Well, you know what? It'll be interesting. He finally makes his return in January. Uh, those other matches that Magic Mike are talking about will be also later in January and February. It's good to see Neville back. I'll remember, though, folks, Pac is the name he's going for. In other news, former ROH champion Takeshi Mor- Morishima was arrested this week uh, after assaulting a taxi cab driver and refusing to pay the fare of 18,000 yen, which I believe translates into about $159 in American. What? Are you serious, TJ? What well, the heck what? is this guy thinking, man? I don't know. It seems pretty bad. To, I mean, he's a big man to be assaulting a, a taxi cab driver. Do you remember Morishi when he was the champion? Yeah, I do. And the funny thing about it is, is he's always had a history of being a very low-key guy that just kind of you know, goes with the flow, does his thing. But what the hell happened here? I don't know, but uh, he hasn't been wrestling for a while. He was out with uh, diabetes. Uh, had said he was going to make a return to Dragon Gate, perhaps, but it fell through. And who knows where the guy's going to go. If he's got diabetes, then why is he drinking? That's not too smart. <laughs> well, we're going to have to find out because I never did say he was drinking during this whole thing. But good assumption there, Magic Mike. Anyways, in other news, we have, I believe you brought this one up, the Elite are finally releasing their own t-shirt lines. They're really cutting ties with the Bullet Club name and anything to do with New Japan merchandising. I think this is a smart move on their part because, you know, the Bullet Club, in my opinion, I agree with a lot of people, it's losing steam. So now it's time for these guys to say, hey, we're not a part of that anymore. 
here's our new lineup. Here's our new T-shirt line. It's time to separate and make something new and exciting. Well, you know, one of our one of the things that, that I don't like talking about so much is injuries because it's always sad when uh, good wrestlers go down. But two key injuries this week to report. The first of all, a massive one, Cody Rhodes going down with this possible meniscus tear. He will definitely, he has missed a couple matches on the ROH tour. He says he's going to be ready for Wrestle Kingdom. That is, without a doubt, the biggest blow that ROH could suffer right now because Cody Rhodes, in my opinion, is the top guy in the company. Jay Lethal may be the champion, but Cody Rhodes is the one who draws the ones and puts the butts in the seats. The king of dong style, Joey Ryan, suffering a torn pectoral. Looks like for sure he's going to need surgery. Perhaps his dong didn't save him this time. Goodbye and good riddance. I can't stand this guy. Uh, to me, Joey Ryan is an embarrassment to the business. You saw what he did it all in. It was ridiculous. It was just absolutely asinine and stupid. Enough said. Oh, well, you. I believe you have some rumors for us this week. Oh, I got some rumors. I got some ones that are going to absolutely uh, catch you off guard. But uh, it seems like NJPW, which we all know is New Japan, they are trying really hard right now to get WWE talent in their roster. And even though their process has an illegal tent to it, am I right, TJ? Yes, you cannot talk to people who are under contract. But they're still trying. Apparently, they're still trying to send feelers across. And the three names that are coming across the board right now are Carl Anderson, Luke Gallows, who both have had history in New Japan. But here's the one that really gets my attention. They want Shinsuke Nakamura back in the fold. This is uh, this is interesting because New Japan, those three guys were massive in New Japan. In WWE, they've been turned almost into minor joke-like characters, especially uh, Anderson and Gallows. They were one of the best tag teams in the world, reduced to being uh, jobbers of the week. And poor Shinsuke Nakamura, the guy who started and exemplified what real strong style is, reduced, reduced to being uh, me no speak English and then kick you in the pee-pee for a win. I'm pretty sure they're going to be glad if they could get back to New Japan. I am absolutely disgusted with the way WWE has treated Shinsuke at this point. The guy's not even on TV half the time. So it's like you've got one of the best wrestlers from Japan doing these stupid comedic, you know, routines like you're talking about. He just doesn't, I mean, they need to do something else with this guy and soon. Uh, other rumors that I've got is that all in two, the original main event was supposed to be Kenny Omega versus Rey Mysterio Jr. That was the actual talk. But for some reason, the plans fell through. So now Kenny Omega is going to wrestle someone else in a singles match. Who that is, I don't know yet. If you know TJ, you can fill me in later. But uh, as of right now, uh, Rey Mysterio will be involved in a six-man tag at the second All-In. Now, here's a newsworthy topic, and it's something that you and I talked about off-air, and you wanted me to surprise you, so I'm going to drop this on everybody. During a recent MLB match between Loki and Daga, Loki proceeded to rip Daga's ear off completely from his head. What? I am dead serious. No, no, I, I'm like really shocked here. Really? Yes, it's there. I saw photos. I've seen videos. It is without a doubt one of the most gruesome and disgusting things I've ever seen. I don't like Loki for a lot of reasons because he has a bad attitude, but this right here just absolutely infuriates me. For this guy to go into the ring and do something like this, it's uncalled for, it's unprofessional. He needs to get kicked the fuck out of whatever organization he's in. 
Pardon Ooh. my French, but this pisses me off. Well, you know what? This, Like I said, this has been a giant surprise for me. I did not have a chance to cover uh, MLW this week. Um, there, Let's face it, we had like uh, 12 hours of ROH slash New Japan to cover. Um, but I'm going to have to look it up. I'm going to have to look it up and, and see this. I'm genuinely shocked. Thank you, Magic Mike. Uh, yeah, when you do, make sure that you have some, uh, some Tums or Seltzers handy because it will actually make you sick. I mean, Daga was on the side of the... Basically, Dag is laying on the mat, and there is a pool of blood maybe three to six inches width away from his head. Well, we're going to have to check that out, but uh, let's move on over to NGPOV. That's right, New Japan Pro Wrestling. This week, as we talked about it, it was a very busy week, but not so much for New Japan in some senses. Most of their guys were off into America teaming up at, at uh, the ROH Global Wars. So what we've decided to do this week is we've there was so much wrestling on these. It was four nights, and each of the cards is at least three hours plus long. So what me and Magic Mike have decided to do is, on our on the on the NJPOV, we're going to just talk about the, the Japanese side of the wrestling that went on, and when we get to the ROH side, we'll, we'll concentrate more on the ROH wrestlers. So with, first of all, let's start some of these matches. Uh, Start off ones I wanted to point out. Naito beating uh, Hangman Adam Page. Really solid, good match. Adam Page is looking like fantastic. Naito, probably one of the most popular and one of the most successful wrestlers. However, great match with Naito going over. This actually shocked me that Hangman lost because he has been on such a tear here in the last few months. And uh, for him to go into this global war pay-per-view, I really thought this was going to be his launching pad. But... To be honest with you, I think the main reason why he lost this match is because he's already made it clear he's on his way out. So I think what he's doing right now is doing the favor, doing the job, you know, to kind of shine the other guys up on his way out the door. Fair enough. Uh, Matt Taven beating Bushi. This one really surprised me. Bushi, one of the junior heavyweight standouts in New Japan. Matt Taven, however, is a guy who's finally kind of won my respect and uh, wasn't that shocked, but a little bit. Matt Taven? Are you serious? <laughs> Matt Taven, of all people, beat Bushi? You've got to be kidding me, TJ. Matt I'm Taven. sorry. <laughs> oh, Matt my God. Matt, Matt Taven, Taven has gotten a lot better. Oh, he might have gotten a lot better, TJ, but Bushi, of all people? This well, guy is a monster. And Taven wins this match. I was just, I sat there and saw that, and I was like, oh, my God. The planets must have aligned or something because Taven actually won this match. Uh, oh, go ahead. Sorry. I'll, I'll, I'll let you uh, recoup there. <laughs> oh, um, the IWGP Junior Heavyweight Champion, uh, Kushida, taking on, uh, I guess you call it a four-way match, defeating Jonathan Grisham, uh, Bushi, and Flip Gordon. What a fun match with Kushida showing us why he's one of the best heavyweight or junior heavyweights in the entire world. This was a fantastic TJ, because this is one of the reasons why I love ROH slash New Japan. Because when these guys get in the ring, they absolutely go out of their way to make sure that they give a great match. They tell a good story. And, you know, Jonathan Gresham, what can you say about this guy? He is, without a doubt, one of the most legit wrestlers in the business right now. And Flip Gordon, I'll talk about him later. But, yeah, these two guys right here alone are the future of ROH and New Japan. Indeed. Um, here's a here's a match that on any other night I would not have really talked that much about, but the 
the ramifications of this match. And it was on the fourth night of the tour. Cody Rhodes was supposed to defend his title against Trent Beretta. However, the meniscus tear, ha- or possible meniscus tear, has him out. So New Japan sent in Juice Robinson, former U.S. IWGP champion. He manages to beat Trent Beretta in a great match. This, no doubt, puts him... Well, he actually challenged. Uh, he challenged Cody for Wrestle Kingdom. I think that uh, this is something that New Japan is probably going to make happen. Oh, yeah. Without a doubt. Juice Robinson and Cody Rhodes. That's got four-star match, five-star match written all over it. And if they take that and put it in Wrestle Kingdom, we all know Wrestle Kingdom is the granddaddy of them all when it comes to New Japan. I think this match is going to be beyond spectacular. Well, the last match I want to point out is a match that just because it was fun, uh, it didn't have big ramifications, but it had a team that uh, guys have teamed a bit in New Japan. They weren't the regular tag teams. Just let me explain this, I guess. First, we have the Young Bucks defeating the team that the announcers were calling Time Machine. And that is Chris Saban and Kushida. And the cool part about this is Chris Saban used to team with Alex Shelley, and they were the Motor Motor City Machine Guns. Uh, Kushida used to team with Alex Shelley, and they were called the Time Splitters. So now the two of them finally teaming together, and they were calling them Time Machine. What a fun team, and what great stuff to see. Time splitters, time machine. I, I, I don't know. To me, it just—it's—it's kind of a corny gimmick, TJ. You know, I mean, honestly. But you know, it's one of those things where you take a very corny gimmick, but yeah, you put two wrestlers who are spectacular in the ring. It makes you kind of forget about what the name of the team is. It's like, okay, you know what? It may be stupid, but hey, those guys can do it when they get in the ring. And as far as the Motor City Machine Guns go, without a doubt, they were one of the greatest tag teams ever. And it makes me sick that they never had their chance to go to the main stage in WWE. But, hey, you know, sometimes you don't always make the big dance. Well, you know what? Uh, There were a few other things that happened in New Japan. Well, concerning New Japan that I also wanted to touch on. Um, Back while most of the guys were here in uh, North America at Global Wars, a few of the guys stayed back for an event they called Dragon Break. And in it, the first night, it's very small stuff. It's usually just a four or five card, uh, like four or five matches. It's maybe an hour and a half, unlike most four-hour Japan shows. And uh, this one featured a few minor guys facing a lot of the young lions, but they each had a main event that had some cool ramifications going forward. The first night, Hiroki Goto beating ACH. ACH, one of the standout guys all across the Indies in the U.S. right now. Uh, great match. Love ACH. I was actually shocked ACH lost this match because ACH has been on a roll here as of late. And as like you said, ACH has become pretty much a staple in independent wrestling here in North America. So for him to lose that match, you know, it really shows that, you know, he's willing to give the other guys the rub they need. And to me, that's you can't give more respect to somebody than that, especially with a guy who's been on top for so long to say, hey, I'm willing to put you over. I'm willing to give you the rub. Well, you know what? The night two featured a main event of Kenny Omega defeating David Finley. Now, if you're wondering who David Finley is, yes, he is Fit Finley's son who has been wrestling for a while in New Japan. Um, great match, but this shows you Kenny Omega's, uh, I'm going to say, iron fortitude because the night before this match, he was in Northeast Wrestling in uh, in the U.S. and defeated Phoenix, 
of, uh, you know, brother of Pentagon Jr., half of the Lucha Brothers, um, in a 27-minute match that is considered, people are saying it was probably the best Northeast wrestling match they've seen in a long time. What can you say about Kenny Omega that hasn't already been said? I mean, this guy is the iron horse of professional wrestling right now. The guy works his ass off, goes out every night, and gives the best match that he possibly can. How long was this match against Phoenix? 27 minutes. Wow. So <laughs> then he turns around and wrestles Dave Finley. And anyone who is not familiar with English-style, strong-style wrestling, let me tell you something. It is a very stiff and brutal uh, style. And, you know, that, that just shows you the chameleon that Kenny Omega is. He can adapt to pretty much anybody in the ring. And you saw what Omega was doing in, in regards to Finley's style. Yeah, and you know what? Let's not forget he had to fly from uh, from the U.S. to Japan and fight him the next night. So, kudos on Kenny Omega showing what a, a strong champion he really is. Yeah, um, he is. Now we're going to mix things up. Usually we would uh, talk a bit about Impact POV, but I'd like to go to Honor Roll now since we're still in uh, Global Wars, and Magic Mike is going to lead us out and talk a little bit about the Global Wars from the American wrestling side. Absolutely. Uh, like I said before, ROH is without a doubt my all-time favorite organization. And they took part in the Global Wars cross-promotion over these past four days. Four nights of wrestling, TJ. I mean, that... Yeah. So we're not going to go into every single match because, you know, there's just too much to cover. I mean, we, if we did that, we'd be here for the next eight hours. Yeah, so, let's, uh, let's talk the highlights. Let's just cover the main points here. I do want to talk about Flip Gordon and Eli Isom really quick because Eli Isom, a lot of people have said he's a glorified uh, jobber, but I think that, you know, his association with TJ's favorite wrestler, Cheeseburger, kind of, you know, oh, drops shit. his. Uh... <laughs> <laughs> I had to do it, Teej. I, I had to do it. Come on now. You got to show your boy some love. <laughs> but anyway, it was a very high spot match, believe it or not. And it was excellent back and forth action, but of course, Gordon wins with the spin out flapjack. Move on to the next match as usual. The Bouncers versus SCU. Obviously, SCU goes over in that match. The Bouncers, you know, to me, uh, Beer City Bruiser and Brian Malonis, they're just a couple of big guys who like to come out with beers and, you know, they get the fans excited. So that's their gimmick. Good for them. Uh, now, the next match that we're going to talk about was a guy that we spoke of earlier, Juice Robinson. Mm -hmm. uh, actually was in a very good match with Christopher Daniels. But here's the thing about Christopher Daniels right now, TJ. He is in a very unusual storyline. It looks as if right now, if he cannot win a big-time match on a big-time pay-per-view, he may not have a job by the end of the year. What are your thoughts on that? I think that's pushing uh, Christopher Daniels in a very desperate situation. Um, you know what? He's kind of, him and, you know, we'll talk about SoCal Uncensored later, but you know, they're slowly becoming very popular, despite the fact they're kind of jerky guys. They're such good wrestlers. The fans are really realizing this. Christopher Daniels has been solid since day one, and he's been wrestling for over 20 plus years. So this is a bit of a threat for him. Here's a guy near the end of his career. He he doesn't win this. He's gone. That's got to scare him. I'll be honest with you. I think right now what we're looking at is maybe Christopher Daniels' roll call. I think this might be his curtain call. Uh if anybody watched the survival of the fittest pay-per-view, you saw that he was hurt. You know, he had a lot of the uh, muscle tape on his body because he just is suffering from so many different, you know, aches and pains. But I think that if he were able to get one last run, 
he would be deserving of him. This guy never got a chance to wrestle for WWE, which I thought was a shame. But, you know, on the independent scene, he was a mainstay, and he is adored by the fan base. Now, here we go on to something that I'm sure uh, will be talked about later. But the Young Bucks wrestle Bully Ray and Silas Young. Silas Young's gimmick as being the last real man, TJ, what, what do you think of this whole thing with him? Well, you know what? Um, I actually have an interview that we'll do sometime down the road with Silas Young where we talked about the last real man in professional wrestling. Um, I think it makes him step out because he's obviously not a pretty boy. He's obviously not a super high flyer, yet he does have some great moves in his arsenal. I kind of dig the last uh, real man thing because he look at him. He's a rugged, almost magnum P.I., rough, tough tie. Girls probably look at him as the cowboy rough. Yeah. I, I buy it. Well, I and mean, he's also a constant north around where you guys are at, too. So he has come some of that, uh, you know, Canadian toughness. Are you guys tough <laughs> up there, right? Uh, hey. I've heard we could be. <laughs> well, you know what? Some of the toughest wrestlers in the world came from Canada, so you guys can back that up, too. <laughs> now, they had a match with the Young Bucks. Believe it or not, folks, Bully Ray and Silas Young went over and beat the Young Bucks. Now, this here's the thing that I'm looking at with this whole situation. The Young Bucks have lost a lot of matches here in the last few weeks. And people are speculating. They're speculating, TJ. They might be on their way out the door to WWE. I hope to God not. But yeah. it looks like that might be the scenario playing out. But they still have the Elite T-shirts, so maybe not. But right now, there are two conflicting stories going on here. But I think time will tell the story. What are well, your thoughts? My thoughts are this. is um, The Young Bucks... Are, are not long for ROH. Uh, recently, uh, talks have been said that they are not going to resign with ROH. And uh, it's nothing definitive, but it's been out there. So I think ROH is, is playing it safe right now. And, uh, you know, why put over guys who, you know, put the super shine on guys who might not be there tomorrow? It's time to maybe uh, bring up some of the other guys. And I think this was a good opportunity for, uh, well, obviously, to get Bully Ray and Silas Young to look a little more legitimate. Um, but like we said, we'll talk later about the whole uh, Young Bucks to WWE stuff in, a, in a, a segment later. Now, the question I have is obviously everybody knows that Bully Ray was a huge heel in Impact. Now that he's here in ROH, what kind of impact, no pun intended, do you think he's made on this company? Well, I think he's really... Take a look, and, and we'll go over this more, but guy, his his relationship with, say, uh, Flip Gordon has made Flip Gordon kind of step up more and seem like a tough guy because as much as he plays the coward, Bully Ray really brings the toughness out of guys. If you can get past Bully Ray, you got legitimate tough cred right there, and I think he's doing that, bringing guys up to do that. Absolutely. I noticed that from the start, and I think right now he's one of the best things to happen to ROH because... ROH is so intent on doing the high-flying and the flashy stuff. He's bringing in the tough aspect to say, hey, you've got to be tough to be in this business. Awesome job on his part. Moving on. Scorpio Sky, in the main event on, day, on night one of Global Wars, beats a guy who has been a mainstay in ROH for many, many years. In fact, I don't think he's wrestling anything anywhere else, has he, TJ? Uh, Scorpio Sky? Not he him, is. but his opponent. Oh, you mean Jay Briscoe. Uh-huh. <laughs> Jay Briscoe, you know, no, he, he's done like minor scurvies into little places, but nothing of note. 
He's made one or two appearances around other promotions in the U.S. He has never signed to a big company except for ROH. So that's at this point. Jay Briscoe, basically, they call him the conscience of ROH because he's been there for so long. But Scorpio Sky, in a fantastic match that goes for about 22 minutes, gets the win over Jay Briscoe. What does this do for Scorpio Sky? Well, you know what? I've known Scorpio Sky for a couple of years. He's been underlooked for quite a long time in the Southern California region. He's been in uh, Pro Wrestling Gorilla as a minor uh, attraction. He's wrestled all through California. He's guy's been wrestling for 16 years, and he's only now getting the attention. But he is incredible. Um, someday we'll uh, we'll put up an interview we did with Scorpio Sky. Love that guy. He was fun. Saw him live. Got to talk with him. I'm not surprised. I thought this puts the biggest shine on him. Him beating Jay Briscoe, that is momentous. This really gets people looking at him in ROH that he is not just one of the third wheels of a tag team. He's a legitimate single star. To beat a two-time ROH champion, that's a big deal. Moving on. Day two started off with Kelly Klein against Madison Rain, and I love Madison Rain. I think this girl is without a doubt one of the greatest female wrestlers to ever step in the ring. She uh, made her biggest uh, – so she had her biggest amount of success in Impact, but now she's taking some time off. She's went home to be a mother, to do all that, but she decided, okay, I'm going to do it one more time. She signed a one-year deal with ROH, but I think what's going to happen is that she's going to get one more push for the Women of Honor Championship, but she ran into a brick wall last night with Kelly Klein in a loss that lasted about 12 minutes. Do you think this in any way slows down Madison Rain's uh, track towards the championship? I think it does. Uh, the gatekeeper, Kelly Klein, she is, you know what, Sumi Sakai may be the the woman's champion, but everyone believes that uh, Kelly Klein is the woman of honor. She is the the homegrown, she is the talent, that she's the woman who exemplifies all of ROH, and I think it really kind of slowed down Madison Rain. I think this will stop her momentum slightly. Um, I thought maybe she would have much more. If she hadn't had this loss, I could have projected her going on and beating Sumi Sakai, but I think this really does kind of stop her in her tracks a little bit. Well, unfortunately, I have to agree because I think this match really showed uh, Madison Rain's weakness. She's getting older, which is not anything, nothing against her. She's in her early 30s, but she has been in this business for a long time. I think the wear and tear of the ring has finally caught up to her. Um, plus, you know, being being away will affect you, regardless of what anybody says. When you take time away from the ring, it's going to affect you. And I think we saw a lot of that in that match last night. So, unfortunately, uh, there may be a pothole in the road uh, for Madison Rain. Uh, Chris Saban, Jay Lethal. I was absolutely amped about this match tj because i love chris saban and i love jay lethal and i really was looking forward to this match and it started off so good great match back and forth up and down just trading high spots and then the stupid son of a bitch kenny king has to get involved what well, the yeah. hell is going on with this situation with kenny king what what is his deal with his new attitude well, I think one thing we should point out for people who didn't get a chance to see this is this was a proving ground match where Chris Saban would get a title match if he beat uh, Jay Lethal. They went to a time limit draw, and then Jay Lethal agreed to put up another 10 minutes for the belt, and that's when Kenny King, who has he has been like a rotten kid with a temper tantrum right now, uh, taking shots at uh, Jay Lethal any chance he can get. He ruined what should have been a great match for Chris Saban, and... Uh, and Jay Lethal. So, you know what? Kenny King, 
I've never been the biggest fan of his, and he's just showing why that a lot of people don't like him. Well, I'll be honest with you, TJ. When I watched this match, you know, the the uh, watch the crowd in this match. This the crowd was absolutely on their edge of their seats throughout this whole match because there were so many moments where you thought it was going to come to the finish, but it never happened. And then when the bell rang, there was this, this uh, you know, the fans like, oh, come on, man, let's. They don't like that. Fans do not like draws. Me as no. a fan, I hate draws. I want to see a clear winner. So when Lethal said, I'll give you five more minutes, let's go. Yeah, you know, let's do this. We thought we were finally going to see a winner. Now, instead, we get Dickhead King to come in here and mess it up. So, but we'll talk about what happens with King and Lethal here in just a few minutes because uh, it does come to a head. Now, day three of the Global Wars is something that's... Uh, it really bothers me, TJ, because I know this, it does. I know it does. This uh, this this situation between Bully Ray and Flip Gordon, I understand. Okay, number one, that Bully Ray is trying to come in here and toughen up these guys and give them a heads up as to just how rough the business can be. Bully Ray comes from a different old school mentality. Am I correct in that statement? Yes, you are. He came from a very rough background. I mean, the guy started off in ECW, crying out loud. And ECW, everybody knows, was basically the land of the misfit toys. But he takes that mentality and comes into, into ROH. And he basically pinpoints a kid, which, you know, if it's a storyline, fine. I get it. Okay? I, I, I'm a smart mark. I'm going to say that. I, I know what goes on behind the scenes. I know the things that are said and done. I may not be there personally. But I do know and I'm aware of what goes on. Now, this whole thing decided to come down to one match where Bully Ray picked an opponent to face somebody that Flip Gordon picked. Now, let's stop and think about this. They were in Philadelphia, TJ. Yes. 2300 Arena. We all know who that place is. It was the old ECW Arena. So there was going to be some kind of nostalgic throwback for this match. Mm -hmm. Ray picked Silas Young to be his opponent. Or to be his representative, I should say. And, of course, to please the fans, to get everybody excited, Flip Gordon picks the Sandman. Oh. And that that place went absolutely electric when that happened. Now, but I'll tell you something, TJ. Sandman looks good. Mm -hmm. He actually looks good. He's lost a lot of weight. He's toned up. He's got, he didn't drink a single beer when he came out. He had beer, but here's what he did. He walked out, stood on top of the ramp. He opened a beer and poured it in the fans' mouths instead of drinking it himself. So I think he's quit drinking. So if he has, good for him. I'm proud of him because he's had issues with that a lot over the last several years. But anyway, he comes in the ring. They actually have a somewhat decent match. It went back and forth. But then, of course, guess what happened? They bring out tables. They bring out chairs. They bring out all these different things. It, it, it basically devolved from wrestling into just basically garbage. I'm going to call it what it is. To me, that's not wrestling. Anyway, somehow Silas Young gets the win, and here comes the stipulation where Bully Ray can do whatever he wants to flip Gordon. TJ, this made me sick. It made me absolutely sick. They decided they were going to have a little retro uh, segment where 10 shots to the back with a kendo stick. Everybody, if, for those that don't know, those who are unaware of what this, this represents, there was a segment back in what, like 1995, I believe? Yeah, way back in the day there. Way back in the day. Sandman and Tommy Dreamer. 
Tommy Dreamer lost to Sandman, so Sandman was allowed to give Tommy Dreamer 10 lashes with the kendo stick. And without a doubt, it was one of the most brutal things I've ever seen on television. And of course, back during that time, they showed the whole thing. ROH decided they were going to put a bumper before this segment to tell people, if you are squeamish or if you find this offensive, do not watch the segment. I didn't think anything of it. I thought, oh, whatever. They didn't show all 10 with the uh, Kindle stick, TJ. But what they did show, it, it made me nauseous. I mean, Flip Gordon's back. Flip Gordon is half the size of Bully Ray. He's not a big kid at all. So when Bully Ray's hitting him with his Kindle stick, you can see the welts. You can see the blood coming down his back. I mean, it got real there for a minute because about half the locker room came out to the ring. You had guys like Cody Rhodes. You had the Young Bucks coming out. You had Brandy Rhodes coming out. You had all the guys from the different things there. It was, it got real, TJ. Well, you know what? I do have to ask, though, after all of this graphic horribleness, right? Did it, did it do what it was meant to do? Did, did it make people either sick, which it shouldn't have done? I mean, yeah, it's gross. You should be grossed out. But did it make Flip Gordon the tough man? In those people's eyes, or did it, or was that lost with the brutality? It got to the final blow. Okay, and everybody at this point was at ringside saying, "Come on, flip! Come on, flip!" You know, hold on. They weren't telling him to stop because I noticed that they never told him to stop. They just told him to hold on. You can make it. You can get through this because obviously he was supposed to take the ten lashes. And finally, you know, uh, bullies like. You have one more hit. All you got to do is tell me to stop and I'll leave you alone. Tell me I quit. And, uh, you know, in typical ECW fashion, because they're paying homage to ECW, Flip Gordon gives him the double finger, and that was the end of it. But instead of hitting him with the kendo stick, Bully Ray hits the low blow and runs out of the ring. In my opinion, in my opinion, TJ, this did not toughen up Flip Gordon. What this did is it put the shine on Bully Ray and made him the most vile, hated heel in ROH right now? Well, I agree with half of that. I do very much agree that, uh, you know, in my point of view, um, Bully Ray, yes, he's been made to look even more scummier. But, I think you know, I never thought of uh, Flip Gordon as a tough guy. I've always thought of him as kind of a little poofy, you know, flippity guy up in the ring. But, you know, seeing that... I kind of, I couldn't take that many. I couldn't take nine. I was lucky if I could take two. So you know what? I think for me, it did give a bit of a rub to Flip Gordon and did make him seem like, you know what? This kid's tough. Did you see the segment? Yes. Yes, I did. It was disgusting. It was just as, it was just as um, shocking as the Tommy Dreamer one. And, you know, people were crying in that one. Well, if there were several, if you look at the fan, not just the fans, but the wrestlers around ringside, uh, Brandy Rhodes is bawling her eyes out. I mean, she she had legitimate tears coming down her face. And, of course, Bully Ray, being the genius that he is, looks at her and says, Brandy, this one's for you. <laughs> and, he yeah, and he hauls off and hits uh, Flip Gordon, not on the back, but in the back of the neck. In the back of the neck. That had to hurt i don't care what anybody says someone hits you with a kendo stick in the back of the neck it's gonna fucking hurt mm -hmm. but that's enough of that uh, i just want to get that point out there fans we want to ask you the question online on facebook to our facebook page do you think this incident made flip gordon the tough guy 
or do you think it simply made Bully Ray even more of a shithead? Or did it make them both? Or did it do both? Third. With the third option out there. We're going to put that on our Facebook page at Wrestling POV. Check us out on Facebook. Let us know what your thoughts are. We want to know what you think of the situation because I personally think it made Bully Ray look, look like a total dick. Now, moving on to day four of the Global Wars, and this was the one that really was kind of the big deal. The opening match was Matt Taven. Our boy's back in action here, TJ. <laughs> guy who beat Bushi. Guess who else he beats? He beats Christopher Daniels. What a shock. Christopher Daniels cannot catch a break. <laughs> I don't honestly think if it's storyline, that's great. But I really hope if this is his last ride, they don't treat him this way. I really want him to have at least one final push because a guy like him who has spent all this time in the business and has worked his ass off to get where he's at, he deserves to go out looking like the champion that he is. All right. Now, moving on, SCU, Southern Cal Uncensored, the Smash Brothers. TJ, I know you were marking out about this match because you and I were talking earlier before we went on the air. You were just absolutely marking out over the Smash Brothers. Tell us how you felt about this match. You know what? The Super Smash Brothers, um, this was my first time seeing them. I've seen their names pop up quite a bit on smaller cards in Canada. Had yet to see them. Was totally shocked of what they were. And yet, man, these guys put on a show. And I got to give props to SoCal Uncensored. Um, Frankie Gazarian and Scorpio Sky, they are, they are an incredibly fun unit right now. I mean, they're like, uh, you know, maybe they're not as young bucks as the young bucks are, but... They're pretty darn cohesive. They have lots of great uh, team maneuvers. But you know what? Super Smash Brothers came so close in this match. Um, they could almost sniff the belts. And uh, it, it was an incredible match. I thought it was probably, in my my opinion, in my POV, it was the match of the night, even though there were some other great matches on that night. That's a big <laughs> Jay, because you're talking about Global Wars, because this is where the best of the best from both ROH and New Japan come in. But yeah. I think the Super Smash Brothers did 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 justice to this match. I think they came within an eyelash of winning those championships. And I think if they are able to keep SCU in their scope, they may be the next ROH Tag Team Champions. I sincerely Ooh. believe that. Wow, that is yeah. a bold predicament. Ooh. It's a bold prediction, but hey, man, the, the, the proof is in the pudding. You saw the match. Those guys put SCU on the line. I mean, it was there were several moments in that match where I really thought they were going to do it. I really thought they had a chance. Me but too. You never know. Somewhere down the road, I think they've got SCU's number. I see championship gold in their future. No. Jay Lethal and Kenny King. All right. Let me just let me just lay this out for you first, TJ. I like Kenny King. I thought. In the beginning, he was a great wrestler. I thought he had a great attitude. He could cut one hell of a promo. But this whole attitude that he's come out with here in the last several weeks or months, whatever you want to call it, I don't like it. I think it demeans him. I think it, it lessens his value as a wrestler because he doesn't need to do this, in my opinion. He does not need to go this route and to act this way. I think that he is a better asset to the company. By just going out there and doing what he does best, and that is wrestle great matches, cut great homos, be a part of the well, he is doing his thing for the company right now because this is what they're asking him to do. But I don't care for it. I think this is a mistake on ROH's part to put him in that kind of role. Uh, do, what do you think of his new attitude right now? 
Well, you know what? Kenny King has always been one of these guys who, like uh, other wrestlers, I haven't been able to buy into him. Um, I found him very generic. I, I thought he had some good moves, but nothing that I could like define, definitely say that was Kenny King. You know, he would never pop into mind when I see one of his type of maneuvers. And you know what? This attitude thing was kind of a, a maybe a shot at trying to distinguish himself to get out of that generic mold. Uh, I don't think it worked. I just think now he was a generic wrestler throwing a hissy fit. So he is a good wrestler. I just don't buy into him. And I think he's going to have to go back to the drawing boards and try and maybe ROH has got to find a better way to retool him because the attitude thing just came across as a crybaby. Yeah, I agree. Uh, I agree right now that that's what's going to have to happen because guess what? Jay Lethal put the ROH championship on the line against Kenny King. Great match. Do you agree, TJ? It was a tremendous match, yes. But it it was a great match. But what was the end result? Jay yeah. Lethal wins, and Kenny I mean, King I did just, not look any better. No, and he did. I think what happened here is Jay Lethal exposed Kenny King a lot in some spots. Uh, there were several places in that match where Kenny King looked like he was lost. Do you agree with that? Yes, he looked there overwhelmed. Were of, there were a lot of places in that match where Jay Lethal was really hitting them, hitting his high spots, and really getting the uh, the momentum of the match going. And anybody who knows Jay Lethal will tell you that when a match begins to pick up speed and it begins to hit that point where you need to start hitting the high spots, he delivers and then some. When that point of the match came, Kenny King looked like he was lost. And that's not good, especially when you've got a pay-per-view of this magnitude going on. And this is your final match of the four nights. This is supposed to be the match that everybody is coming to see. This is supposed to be your number one. And... I'm not blaming Jay Lethal. Jay Lethal was awesome in that match. Kenny King did some great things in that match. Well, here's my problem with it now is this is the kind of match had Kenny King really stood up. He could have made himself one of those legitimate ongoing threats for later on. I think this is a one and done. I think Kenny King just showed that he wasn't quite ready to be running in those circles. And I don't think we're going to see him against Jay Lethal again for a while. Oh, I don't either. I don't either. I think said, I think they, they gave him his rub for one chime. They said, hey, okay, we're going to give you the ball. We're going to see if you can run with it. And I think he dropped it. Agreed. Well, you know what? Uh, we should probably move on now to, uh, to our Canadian corner this week. We're going to talk about uh, the, the tapings that we had for ROH next week. For, we'll do a double shot, and we went pretty long. But uh, let's talk now about our Indie Corner highlight. This week... I wanted to talk about a fella who, if you were in Western Canada, you knew this guy's name. Now, I'm going to send you some stuff, Magic Mike, because I know you probably haven't heard of this guy. But when you see, you'll see he, he was never a high flyer. He was never um, a singles monster. But he was one of those guys who was like a tag team general. Team People who teamed up with him knew they had probably the guy who would take you to multiple tag team championships. And he had championships all across Canada. Uh, his name is Dirty Duke Durango. Now, Duke Durango was one of the last few students, legitimate students, trained by Stu Hart. Not trained in the dungeon, but actually trained by Stu Hart himself before he died. So where all did he wrestle at during his time? Well, most of the times he was, he was on Stampede Wrestling before it went out, and mostly through Western Canada. Unfortunately, from the Winnipeg to Vancouver area, which is rather large on the map, but isn't a lot of cities compared to our population over the U.S. Um, he was, though, a legitimate tough guy. Uh, there were a lot of guys who would tell you that he was, you got in a match with him, 
he, he either made you laugh or cry because he was the guy, he had the mouth <laughs> that would never stop. He would be berating the fans and the fans loved him, even though they hated him because as much as he'd shoot his mouth off, as much as he'd say the most outrageous insults and things, he would back it up in the ring. Um, however, he's been wrestling now for about 25 years and this is the end of his time. Well, you got to respect a tough guy. I think he kind of, you know, it's kind of the Stone Cold Steve Austin thing. He shot his mouth off and ran it, but he could back it up, and the fans love it. So what can you say about that? Well, no kidding. And the last of his career has been coming out. He's uh, winding up. The last couple of years he spent uh, teaming with Chris Steele, another uh, Western Canadian guy who is a massively huge guy. When I show you a picture of this guy, you'll wonder yourself, why isn't he in the big leagues? Um, they spent the last couple of years as Team Hall of Fame because both of them had spent 12-plus years in uh in the pwa so the pwa nicknamed them team hall of fame and put them in the hall of fame and in the last year he has been wrestling uh defending the pwa tag team belts which they just lost on their second last match um i got a chance to talk with him and we just we talked a bit about some stuff in his career and you know he's the kind of guy i could sit down and probably have an hour-long interview and he would have so many rich stories about so many wrestlers that you know, guys who came in and out of Stampede and and just all about life in uh, the old territory days of wrestling till now. But uh, let's take a look at this five-minute interview we have of Dirty Duke. And uh, folks, if you want to know much about him, look up Dirty Duke Durango, Google him, check out YouTube. There's a few matches out there. And uh, try uh, one of the last great territory wrestlers today i'm going to talk to a guy who has been a bit of a we're going to say legend he's going to blush and say no but his name is well known across the western canadian ranks for more than just a couple of years i'm talking about dirty duke durango and duke as i understand we're actually ending we're coming to the twilight end now finally you are throwing throwing out the boots now and going off to a, a normal life non-wrestling related yeah you know it's um been 20 years i guess i broke in in 96 training at the dungeon so I'm 45 years old. These young kids on the roster. This is a young man's game, and I'm not a young man anymore. So it's just yeah, like I say, it's time to put a nail in the garage, hang up those boots, and and find something else to do. Well, you know, you had a very long and lustrous career. The last couple of years now, you've been uh, teaming with uh, another. We're going to say veteran. He, he may have been not as as long as you, but he's been around for a while. And Chris Steele, what's that like? You know, the last while being part of a, a very strong dominant tag team called Team Hall of Fame for the last couple of years. You know what, it's actually been, we started, we both came back together in 2013, we'd both been off for a little while, and it's been the funnest run. Um, you know, five years of working with them, there's been some injuries and stuff, but, you know, we never had the battles that you see other tag teams have where we split apart and went our own ways, um, it's just been so much fun to work with them. It was one of those, we trained in the dungeon together, we traveled together, we knew each other okay, but, you know, to get to to get to team up with them for the last five years is really and truly, and I'm not just saying this, it's been a privilege and an honor. We've become, in the last five years, best friends, and, and I mean, I love the guy like family, and I couldn't be happier that I've gotten this opportunity. Well, you know, that other opportunity you've had is you were known in a lot of your careers being a very abrasive, very hated figure at times, but now, you know, even though you still seem to have a lot of fun and still seem to yell at a lot of people, the fans have really embraced you the last couple of years. How's that feeling going out on that kind of note, feeling that, uh, you know, that appreciation from everyone? I'm going to be honest, it's a little weird. Um, you know, I kind of did a total one day, and I ended up somewhere, I figure I'm right now, I'm in somewhere around the mid-1700s for matches. And I've only actually been what we'll call, a, you know, a baby face for about 50 of them. Um, so to be going out this way is actually really weird for me. There's part of me that has mixed emotions about it because I'm just so naturally, you know, kind of the heel. Um, having said all that, 
you know, for these last few matches, I got three left, and I'm just going to give the fans whatever they want. If they want to cheer, great. If they want to say something bad, if they want to say something rude to me, so we can banter back and forth, by all means, give it to me, and I will give it back to you as hard, if not harder, than you could ever give it to me. And fans and Chris Steele, I just want to point out that if he takes a chair and attacks you on the last day. I didn't plant that idea. I could see maybe it's floating in his head a little bit because if anything we knew about Dirty Duke Durango, he was always very straightforward in your face, and, well, he did whatever he wanted to do. Well, you never have to wonder what Duke Durango's thinking. Um, Whether it's in a wrestling ring or walking down the road, you'll always know what Duke Durango's thinking. So, you know, that's where Chris Steele and I have had a great partnership because he doesn't say too much and I say everything. Um, So it's actually that part's worked out really well for us. Well, you know, the last thing I want fans to know is, why don't you tell me your favorite last memory that you'd want to throw out for fans that, and I don't know if fans can look it up or find it if it's on YouTube or not, but even if it's not, tell me your favorite memory in all these years of wrestling. You know, it's probably not something fans can look up. It was, um, there's different measurements of success in wrestling. And um, one night we were wrestling and Stu Hart was at the show. And I was wrestling a guy named Pistol Pollock, who some people might remember. And um, a lot of people don't know that we were best friends. We've known each other since we were 11 years old, and we had a really solid match one night. And I got to the ring, and Stu Hart pulled me aside and said, Hey, you know, kid, you're becoming a really good goddamn little entertainer. And I I walked away from that moment and said, No matter what else happens in this business, I'm good. You know what, the legendary Stu Hart giving you the praise. And just for you uh, American fans, when he kept mentioning the dungeon, that is Stu Hart's dungeon. Uh, I know a lot of people in West, not from Western Canada may not know the reference of what the dungeon is, but it was one of the probably infamous training grounds for Stampede Wrestling. Um, Duke, you know what, I've really enjoyed, we, we've had a lot of fun in the last couple of years back and forth, me and you joking, we've joked about uh, old and older and all these other kind of things. And through it all, you've always had a lot of grace and a lot of... Uh, a lot of warmth for you, and I'm, I know I'm going to be one of the wrestling fans who misses you, and it's been a real great pleasure watching you work all these years. You know, that's really kind, and I really appreciate it, but I also want to say thank you for what you do and putting, you know, guys like myself and PWA and wrestling in Western Canada in general to put that over is a great thing because we're kind of in a black hole here. Nobody knows we're even out here, so don't think we don't appreciate what you're doing either. Well, that was Dirty Duke Durango. Um, you know what? Before we go into our break, you were telling me about something that's happening. Uh, I, and I don't understand it because I haven't played it yet. But it's a game in Wrestling POV. Please tell me about it. Well, it's called the Wrestling POV PPV Points Game. And the way it works is that every major pay-per-view that WWE puts on the boys over at Wrestling Podcast, which you can check it on iTunes and Spotify and Podbean and YouTube. and iHeartRadio, if you want to check them out. It's all for free, too, by the way, folks. Not a single penny's involved. But what they do is they have what's called the Wrestling POV Points Game, which I've already said. Uh, what it is is that they have these major matches, and each match that they bring out, they have a point system. And what it is is you bet points on each match. And you can each match is worth a certain amount of points. Now, this week is going to be just a little bit different because it is Survivor Series. Survivor Series is basically a five-on-five traditional match. So what they're doing over there, the boys at Wrestling POV, is they are going to have four teams. Team Tony, Team Rick, Team Mimi, and Team Miguel. If you decide to team with one of those four teams, if they win, whatever points that you put in on your particular matches, they get added on if they win. So your chances double when you play this game. TJ, I know for a fact that you need to check this game out because I know you've been on the sidelines for a while doing your thing here on the indie scene. But you know what? Come on. 
Join us over here on Wrestling POV this week. Play the game. Let's see how you do. And uh, you're going to have a good time. You know what? I can honestly say I'm the first Rick Serrano the third bottom of the barrel winner. So you have nothing to worry about. I'm 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 always going to be reminded that I'm the first ever recipient of that award. So, you know, they, they can't ride you too hard if you lose. So come on over and play with us this week. That's it, folks. Check them out on Wrestling POV Wrestling Podcast. It's on Facebook. They'll, all those things will be there. Um, we're going to go into break. When we get back, we're going to talk a bit about Impact. We're going to talk a lot about Lucha Underground. And we're going to have one of those infamous face-offs of ours. Uh, TJ? Uh, yeah. Um, I don't know if I'll be able to make it. I may have to disappear again. No, 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 no. I faxed over a new contract. You can't just disappear like that in the middle of broadcast. We're going to talk. I want to know where you went. Uh, well, I, I I can't tell you just yet, but you know when the moment hits me, I may just have to. Folks, we'll be back right away. Hey, this is your Olympic hero, Kurt Angle. Listen to the Wrestling POV podcast. Oh, it's true. It's damn true. Hello, this is Miguel Cole from the Wrestling POV podcast. Wrestling POV and Wrestling POV Global is affiliated with the Collar and Elbow brand. Go to CollarandElbowBrand.com and save yourself 10% by using promo code WPOV. Collar and Elbow has t-shirts, hoodies, sunglasses, and more. And the best part, you're helping out your local indie wrestlers. And you're helping out the best wrestling podcast of all, Wrestling POV and Wrestling POV Global. You don't want to miss out. So save yourself 10% by using promo code WPOV. Oh my goodness! Folks, let's take a look at Impact POV. Now we had like a a tremendous two-hour card this week on uh, Impact TV. And uh, there were some great matches. And I'd like to touch on a few of them with you, Magic Mike, if you'd like. Absolutely. Let's, let's start off with uh, the situation regarding o, the OGs, the original LAX, versus Pentagon and Phoenix. Tremendous match. Pentagon and Phoenix coming out on top. The OGs. Will these guys ever win again? I don't know. Uh, I'll be honest. Yeah, I thought this match was very sloppy. Uh, I understand that there is a, a legitimate heat between you know the uh, Lucha Brothers and the OGs, but you know, when a match like this breaks down before the bell even rings, it to me, it doesn't give anything to the match. It's just unorganized chaos where they're just fighting all over the ring. The referee's trying to keep people in control. I mean, at one point in time, Homicide had a fork in his hand trying to drive it into Phoenix's forehead. Mm-hmm. Come on. I mean, to me, that's like the referee it, in, a, in common sense world, in the real world, you know, the referee would have been like, no, you can't do that. Match is over. But, of course, they let it go. But to me, this is just a little too much over the top for my taste. I think they need to kind of dial this back. You know, Fair this enough. in itself could be a great match. OGs, Lucha Brothers, you just put them in the ring and let them wrestle. It would be awesome. I understand there's the whole gangster thing going on with Conan and the Godfather saying, oh, don't touch each other. You stay away, blah, blah, blah. And yet, you know. Kingston's still trying to find a way to wheel his way in. Eddie Kingston is a mastermind. But still, this was a little too much in my taste, DJ. I want to know what happened to Hernandez. I remember this guy being a big, impressive dude. I mean, he's tall and everything, but is he on some kind of miracle diet? Because that does not look like the Hernandez of old. I got to say that. Yeah, I don't understand. I'm not liking this new Hernandez look. And what is up with the cross chops? (laughs) Um, Yeah. 
I, I can't explain that. Uh, is it a gangster thing? I don't know. Did I'm this not guy suddenly join DX and not tell us? <laughs> well, you know what? Let's move on. Let's move on to the next match where we have former WWE wrestler Katrina, who you used to know as uh, what was her name back then? I cannot. Katie remember. Lee Birchall. Katie Lee Birchall. That's what it was. Birchall. She was Paul Birchall's sister. Right. And she took on uh, Jordan Grace and the powerhouse Jordan Grace pretty much mauled her this entire match and beat her. I don't, I don't agree with that, TJ. I think Katarina got a lot of offense in. If you go back and watch that, she, she took it to Jordan Grace pretty hard in that match. And I think what this was, if you look at it from a shoot angle, I think this is Katarina's way of saying, okay, you're here with us now, but this is what you're going to get. You're the rookie. You may be coming in with a big push, but you know what? We're going we're gonna to hold you to it, and we're going to make you realize just how you know, important this is. You better not drop the ball. That's what I got from this match. See, I didn't, in my POV, I thought that it was just like when you see a cat taking a few swipes at a big dog. Sure, the cat's got a bunch of little, little wax out there, but the big dog throws you down. And I think that's what happened here. Yeah, Katrina had a few moves and stuff, but uh, Jordan Grace, she had the power moves that took her out. Yeah, but if you also go back and watch that, when, when Katarina got her offense in, Jordan Grace was selling the hell out of it. Mm-hmm. So, I mean, it shows that, you know, I think maybe Katarina pulled her off to the side and said, hey, you know, this is what the deal is, so you need to go with it. But that's my POV. Okay, fair enough. We'll have to disagree on that one. Um, here's a weird situation and a weird kind of match. This whole Sammy Callahan versus Brian Cage sort of deal. Oh, uh, Weird, you know, they go back and forth to Ohio wrestling. They they have uh, Sammy Callahan and the OVE are the big popular people there, and they do this stupid storyline where Brian Cage, or sorry, a guy dressed like Brian Cage, uh, comes out with a fake belt, who they pin and they claim that Sammy Callahan is now the th- champion. It's sort of a weird kind of thing, and I'm not sure if I dig it. What what do people see in Sammy Callahan? That's what I don't get. I don't think this guy in any way, shape, or form has anything that even emotes that kind of following because I just don't get it. He's, he's, he's not that good of a wrestler. He doesn't that have that good of a gimmick. A good of a gimmick. To or me, he's kind, of, he's kind of bland and vanilla. I mean, I'm sorry. I don't get it. And to me, this whole thing with Brian Cage, I don't know if they're trying to give him the rub by being with Brian Cage or what, but it's like putting a mouse in the mat in a, in a cage with a lion. It just doesn't work. It just does not. It doesn't work. I'm going to have to agree on that very much. Your, your POV here is, is right on because I've never seen what people like in Sammy Callahan. And that being said, OVE themselves, there's, I don't get these three. I don't see how they're legitimately scary, a legitimate threat or a legitimate anything. They just look like three oddballs who they picked up out of the bar and said, hey, you guys want to be wrestlers this week? And they kind of act like that. Uh, if I were to bump into these guys in a dark alley, I'd probably just laugh at them and walk on because they don't seem to be intimidating in any way, sense, or form. Now, if they were able to actually back it up with physical actions, yeah. But I don't see that. To me, they're a bunch of backstepping, you know, backpedaling cowards, and it just doesn't work. Well, I'm going to agree with that. I'm going to agree. Uh, moving on. You know what? One of the best matches, I think, and I, for me, this was the match of the night, was uh, Moose beating Eddie Edwards. What an incredible match. Um, 
you know what? I'm, Moose is legitimizing in my eyes now. You've been telling me to keep, keep looking at him closer. I've been writing him off for a while, but you know what? Eddie Edwards took it to him, and Moose really came through here. He won the match, and I don't think this feud's over. Oh, it's not over by a long shot, but I'll tell you what. I think this match really kind of gave Moose the final shine that he needs because, like I said, I've been following this guy since ROH. He is a phenomenal athlete. He's a former pro, pro football player, obviously, that came in, and everybody wrote him off saying, oh, here we go again. Here's another Steve McMichael or whatever that's going to come in here and basically do whatever and kind of have a semi-decent run than be out of the picture. But, no, this guy has been in the business now for almost six years, and he's gotten better with each and every year. And I honestly think that this is the match that put him in that spot. And he seriously hurt Eddie Edwards at the end of this match. I think he did. And uh, this is going to be interesting going forward. Um, one of the things, you know, this wasn't a match, and this kind of happened in there, and I can see where this is going. And this is the whole Eli Drake situation where he's saying he's going to sue okay. Impact. He gets a hold of Joseph Park and then <sighs> manages to beat and humiliate Park. I see an abyss return out of this. I hate the single. I absolutely hate the single. Joseph Drake is without a doubt, or Joseph Park. Park. I mean, I'm sorry. That's just how much it aggravates me right now. This whole thing with Joseph Park is a, it just aggravates the crap out of me. Joseph Park is legitimately one of the toughest men in the business. And for them to reduce him to this and to make him this cowardly, uh, stuttering, backstepping, yellow bellied coward of a lawyer, I, I don't like it, TJ. I think it takes away from him, it demeans him. And even if, even if he were to come back as the Abyss character, I think that this has done too much damage. And I think that when the when the Abyss turn finally comes, the fans are just not going to be into it. Well, it's happened so many times before that it's kind of lost that special. I mean, everyone probably knew where it was headed. If you've been a longtime Impact fan, he's done this a couple times. So you knew it was going to eventually bring about Abyss. Where is it going to go? I don't think anyone's even going to care. I'm not going to care. I mean, I'm just I'm just saying it like it is. I mean, I've seen God, how many times have we seen this? How many times? And how many times are people gonna finally say, okay, enough? We already know what's coming. We've seen the exact same thing with Glenn Jacobs and Kane and WWE now for the past 15 years. It just it doesn't work anymore. It doesn't work at all. And you know what? Let's talk about the main event. And I know we have a bit of a disagreement probably here. We're talking about uh, Johnny Impact. Defeating Killer Cross. Now, we've talked a lot about Killer Cross, and you have been in love with, uh, and I I actually went back and watched all his promos again, and I really do enjoy his take on things. But for me, there's a big disconnect between the promos and the work I saw in there. I, I did not think for one moment that Johnny Impact was legitimately in any kind of danger of losing his title. And I don't think Killer Cross has that instinct to be a champion. He's too busy pandering the fans and uh, glorifying in what move he pulls off. I just didn't feel it, buddy. Well, I'll be honest with you, TJ. Um, I was hyped for this match. I really was. I thought that the the way that Killer Cross, you know, promoted the match by with the promos that he cut and everything else, the way that he kind of set the stage for what was to come. I was ramped up for it, man. I thought this was going to be a great match. But, you know, it's like, I don't know. 
it's like lighting the fuse to a firework and waiting for the bottle rocket to go off and then all of a sudden just dud. That's exactly how I felt in this match. Now, don't get me wrong, there were several spots in that match that were great. That outsider edge on the ramp was brutal. Mm. I mean, when Cross hit him with that, and you go back and watch the match, folks, if you haven't seen it. Johnny's head, when he hits that ramp, it actually hits with full thought. I mean, his head actually bounced off that ramp when he did it. I went back and watched it like two or three times. But I think the one thing that Johnny Impact did in this match that really exposed Killer Cross was the fact that when he would sell a move, what was Killer Cross doing? Instead of going in for the kill, instead of going in and finishing the match, what was he doing, TJ? Pandering he was pandering to the fans. Yeah. Pandering to the fans. That does not win matches. And, you know, if he's going to continue to do that, if that's going to be his MO, he's not going to be very far up the ladder in this business. He's got to get... Uh, don't get me wrong. There were parts in that match, especially there towards the end, where he had that whole... Rah! The whole freak out, yeah. you know, maniacal thing. But Johnny shut him down real quick. So, you know, I, I think that was his one time in the spotlight, and I don't see him back in the, in the title picture anytime soon. Agreed, agreed. You know what, fans? Uh, Impact, giving us two weeks in a row now, solid shows. They were both enjoyable in the last two weeks. Three weeks ago, not so much. Let's hope this trend continues. Uh, absolutely. I think if Impact continues to work in this direction, they're going to be good. And I'll be honest with you, that interview that you know Kyra Valkyrie did in regards to Tessa Blanchard was awesome. Uh, mm. She exposed Tessa Blanchard. She basically said, hey, you know, you know, you're you're basically acting just like your dad. I mean, she I think she straight up shot or did some shoot uh, segments in that interview because uh, some of the stuff that she said was real. And I'm like, wow. But, you know, hey, sometimes being real is what sells. Well, you know what? Uh, I know that's an interesting match upcoming that me and you are going to have uh, our sides. I know you're a big fan of Ty Valkyrie. I am a big fan of Tessa Blanchard. This is going to be interesting to see how this turns out. I think either way it happens, all of us Absolutely. win. Well, you know what? It's that magical time of the show where we leave reality. That is wrestling. Might not be a lot of reality. But we step into the wonderful world of Lucha Underground. Magic Mike, let's talk Lucha Underground. Ooh. I'll tell you what, TJ. That time away, that, that, that moment that I stepped away just kind of brought me closer to this whole Lucha thing. It, it's so nice to have that ethereal touch with somebody else to be brought into this world. Lucha Underground finally came to the end of Ultima Lucha Quattro. This is considered their WrestleMania. They don't have a pay-per-view. What they do is they have two separate episodes that are considered super cards, where every match is kind of a closure match to a feud or to a title run or anything of that nature. And TJ, I honestly thought people have given me a lot of static about this over the weeks, that you're not a Lucha Underground fan. Let me tell you something. This right here was the final nail in the coffin for me not liking them as far as that goes. I'm not saying that in a bad way. What I'm saying is this was the nail in the coffin of making me a legitimate Lucha Underground fan. I loved this episode. It was fantastic. What was your thoughts on the episode? Well, you know what? Uh, yeah, there was a few uh, moments that are, of course, we have to suspend our disbelief in, in some of the storyline, which is kind of fun. I don't mind that. 
There were a few times in some of the matches that went a little bit too crazy where we also had to suspend our disbelief. But you know what? Let's talk about some of those matches and how we looked at them. Well, the very first match was a two out of three falls match between Phoenix and Dragon and Azteca Jr. Now, I don't know. I've never seen Dra- Dragon Azteca Jr. before this, but I'm going to tell you what. This kid impressed the hell out of me, TJ. Uh, I guess him and Phoenix had a feud going on, which, of course, let's once again suspend our disbelief. There was this uh, love triangle between these two and their ring announcer of all people. <laughs> <laughs> Melissa Santos. She's the one who says, this lucha match. She doesn't say wrestling. She says lucha. But anyway. You're, wait, this wait, match, wait. You were forgetting something important. What's that? Wasn't Phoenix resurrected? Remember, oh, he died apparently. And he came out of the yeah, grave. And this is why he's all... Dark Phoenix. Phoenix was resurrected. He died. But yet the gift of the God's championship actually brought him back to life when, uh, I don't know if he won. He was wrestling under some fake name, and then that brought him back as the, as the uh, champion of the gift of the gods. But yes. when it happened, it changed his mindset. It changed his attitude. And while he was gone and quote-unquote dead, Dragon Azteca became close to Melissa Santos. Suddenly things began to get a little bit more romantic than what they were and phoenix didn't like it because at one point phoenix was dating melissa santos once again fantasy storyline folks let's just play with it anyway the first two falls were split phoenix wins the first fall dragon has wins the second fall then antonio cueto this guy i don't know what his deal is that i don't understand him at all i guess he's like some godfather figure is that what he's supposed to be tj He's supposed to be the Mexican Vince McMahon with more evil intentions than most. With one eye. With one eye. Yeah. <laughs> okay. They talk about Shawn Michaels' cocked eye. I think this should go in the book for Antonio Cueto. We don't have that on the wrestling POV Global, folks. Sorry, we don't use that. But maybe somewhere down the road we might have a Hall of Shame or something. <laughs> who knows? But anyway, Antonio Cueto comes out and says, Okay, this is Lucha Cuatro, so... Ultima, we are going to go to the final match and make this a Falls Count Anywhere match. Folks, when that announcement was made, it got absolutely insane. They went all over the place. They were up and down the aisles. They were fighting out in the crowd. They got up. They were actually in the upper tier of the building at one point. But finally, they get back in the ring, and Melissa Santos, who's worried about her man, Azteca Jr., says, please don't do any more of this. You must stop it. I can't take it anymore. But, uh, yeah, because of her interference, Dark Phoenix wins the match. Well, so. you know what? I, I got to point something out here. Um, watching Phoenix in these uh, Lucha Underground, watching him and Impact for the last couple weeks, you know, he's brothers with Pentagon Jr., who is the bigger star. But I'm starting to get a little bit more liking for Phoenix. He doesn't look as cool as Pentagon Jr., but he seems to be a little bit more high-flying and a little bit more unpredictable in my books than Pentagon has been. So the the Lucha Brothers, they're kind of, you know, I always thought Pentagon was the cooler one. I'm starting to look at Phoenix. I don't deny Phoenix's abilities. I think Phoenix is a fantastic wrestler. I think that after this, they need to finally put the, the rocket on his back and say, hey, go. You know, fly up there and see what you can do because he's got the ability to do it. He's got the look. He don't. He may not have the look of his brother Pentagon, but he, he still has, has look. look. He still has a good look. He can wrestle. He can cut a good promo. I think Phoenix has got a good future. Now, mm-hmm. Antonio Cueto decides to come out of the ring because uh, Melissa Santos can't handle what happened. 
you know, she's she's all uh, distressed. So she, she has leaves. to leave. Yeah. She does leave. So Antonio Cueto comes out and says, I have brought in a wrestling royalty. Someone who has been a part of Lucha for many generations. And believe it or not, folks, my jaw hit the ground when I saw this. I don't know what your reaction was, TJ, but I was like, wow. I actually marked out when I saw this. Charles Guerrero, the daughter of Vicky and Eddie Guerrero, came out to the ring to be the ring announcer. This was a great segment, TJ. But here's what happens. Famous B decides he wants to get involved. He comes out to the ring. He starts making all these comments about, I'm going to make the ring announcer. You need to get out of the ring. You know, know your role. Get lost. Shaw Guerrero, I'm sorry. I love you, girl. You're a Guerrero, and I have nothing but respect for your family and everything they've done. But, honey, you can't act. You cannot act like crap. I mean, it looked like she ate a sour lemon or something because she had this, like, you know, just, you know what I'm talking about, TJ. I mean, it's like she ate a sour lemon. It's just like, you come in here and you threaten me and my family. I am a Guerrero. <laughs> I'm just thinking to myself, oh, my God, just stop. It went on for like almost 10 minutes. It was a very long segment. But then, of course, Chavo Guerrero saves the day, runs out to the ring, attacks that famous B, and then gives, gives him to Shaw, and Shaw decides to pay homage to with the three amigos suplex. Fan goes crazy. Chavo does the frog splash. End of segment. There we go. <laughs> I guess that was the same for the fans to get all riled up and marked out. What'd you think? Um, yeah, it was, you know, I guess it wasn't as special for me as it was for you. Um, I, yeah, for me, it was, I would have liked uh, a bigger, if they were going to do a surprise, like a bigger, well-known, like wrestler we haven't seen for a while or something, but it was good for what it was. And it was a nice tribute to Eddie. So I enjoyed it, but yeah, my POV wasn't as marked out as yours was. Well, the next match on the card was kind of a setup for what was, kind of set the tone for the rest of the night, in all honesty. Because uh, anyone who watches Lucha Underground knows that they like to really implement the hardcore aspects of professional wrestling. And this is my personal POV. You don't have to like it, but this is my POV. I don't like hardcore wrestling me it's not wrestling it is just organized barbaric chaos but for whatever fan base that's out there that likes this you're gonna love this next part it was a death match between mil muertes and the mac the mac also known as willie mac and impact and who is mil muertes in impact uh ricky banderas used to wrestle over team mexico uh a lot of people might recognize him back then he was a big dude and uh do you know what mil muertes means no, I do not. I'm just going to throw some knowledge. Mil Muertes means a thousand deaths. Ah, makes perfect sense because throughout that entire match, the commentators kept saying, he is the man of a thousand deaths. So there you go. Yeah. Folks, you just learned here on Wrestling POV Global, something new from TJ Logan. Tune in next week for the next episode of The Professor, and we'll help you out. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, this match was... It was just brutal. It was brutal. It was brutal. Uh, two two caskets brought out to the ring. It had uh, axe hammer uh, handles. It had screwdrivers and monkey wrenches and anything you could possibly think of. 
So yeah, these two basically just use each other as target practice for these objects. I'm not going to go too much in this match because it is there. There was nothing about this match that really stood out in a uh, high spot manner. Let's just say that finally the Mac got tired of dealing with him, walks over and grabs a brick, hits him in the head, and pins him. That's what happened. Well, That's it. let's Rick. take into let's take into account that this is our fantasy part. So yeah, it was crazy. I mean, when they brought out the coffins. There was the regular wrestling stuff, but then there were ridiculous things like axes and uh, like, you know, bricks and like uh, picks and things. Uh, There was an ice pick in there, like things that would never even be tried in a wrestling ring because obviously, you know, this is the fantasy part. So these things were used in a fantastical setting and it was a lot of blood. But, you know, that's the kind of thing the Lucha Underground sometimes will show. Yeah, but TJ, I just uh, to me, it's just it's just it's just garbage. I don't get it. I just don't simply get it. it. It makes no sense. Why would they? In a re, in the real world, in a real wrestling match, that would have been the most asinine thing ever. I mean, but yeah. Anyway, it is what it is. Why would somebody like that? Why? So well, I don't know. Do you remember when I was young? We used to watch these shows called Enter the Ninja and all those kind of things. And that's basically what that was all about. Was you know people those dying by ninjas. CJ. Those are movies. And so is Lucha Underground in a way. Uh, just keep it that way. Uh, so they're glorified stuntmen? They are in Lucha Underground. Yeah. Maybe Mick Foley could have a job there. <laughs> Don't forget, Rick Claire called him a glorified stuntman's book. Well, you know what? This match may not have been to your liking. It was exciting in some parts. It was kind of scary in others. Uh, I had to keep in mind that it was a fantasy setting. So a guy getting hit in the head with a brick would usually cause someone permanent drain, brain damage. I had to accept that this was just part of the storyline, and that's helped uh, Milwartes, who has been this evil guy. Finally, he loses his first match, death match. Yeah. Well, he finally lost at uh, Ultima Lucha because he'd been 3-0 up to that point. But guess what? He has a mark on his record now, thanks to the Mac. Johnny Mundo, our man. Our guy that we have been pushing hard for the last few weeks here on the show goes up against the monster Matanza Cueto in a sacrifice to the gods. And I guess this whole thing has got something to do with Antonio Cueto, I guess, because when the match started, he come out and basically told Johnny, I don't know where you got that glove from, but you will not survive this match. You will die at the hands of the monster. I don't know how good that impression was, but I tried. But anyway, Johnny Mundo somehow got this gauntlet from the gods. And I don't know who this guy is with the light-up glow Aerostar. shit on him. Aerostar. Aerostar. Okay. But Aerostar throughout this entire season has kept telling Johnny, give it back to me. It's going to corrupt you. It's going to make you bad. But Johnny, when he put it on, it, he looked like Thor with the hand up in the air and the lightning coming down and hitting him in the face and then the eyes. I mean, you were getting all excited a couple of weeks ago, TJ. He was like, how'd that make you feel, brother? When he put that glove on and the lightning went across his eyes. I dig that. I do. I actually like that. That's cool. But this match itself, Matanza Cueto is Jeff Cobb. <laughs> and he's wrestling like this. His style is completely different than what you see in, in ROH. Completely different. But the match itself was good. They went all over the arena. They fought up and down. And Johnny... Impact did one of the craziest things, or not Johnny Impact, he's Johnny Mundo here. Same guy, though, same guy. It's the same guy, but it's a different name. Johnny Mundo. 
did one of the craziest things I've ever seen. He jumped, what, about 15 feet across one side of the, the arena to the other? Well, he did that parkour thing. He landed on something and bounced off it. Yeah, that was crazy. Now, hopefully, they only had to do one take for that, but yeah, he made it. And this match went on for several minutes, but then it, they reached a point where it looked like he was actually done because they were on top of the Ice House segment of the temple, which I guess that's supposed to be a big deal. But when they were up there, Cueto chokeslammed into the top of the freezer, and that was supposed to be the end of the match. The lights go down, the music comes on, Cueto comes out, you've won, my son, we've given the sacrifice. Then guess what happens, TJ? The doors open up, the lights begin to shine, and Johnny Mundo comes out holding the glow up in his hand like a superhero, which is okay, I guess. <laughs> but uh, They fight their way back to the ring. Finally, he gets Cueto in the ring. He gets up on the top rope. Superman punch from the top rope, a tribute to Roman Reigns, because Johnny is a very close pers- a personal friend of, John- of Roman Reigns. Does the punch off the top rope with the gauntlet, wins the match. Then Aerostar approaches Johnny after the match and says, Miguel, amigo, you must return the gauntlet. It's going to corrupt you. So Johnny gives it back to him. So I guess that part of the uh, storyline's over. TJ, <laughs> in your thoughts, what, what, were your, what was your overall thoughts on this match? Well, you know what? It was fun. Uh, the whole chase the gauntlet, chase the gauntlet thing, because Matanza would keep taking it and throwing it. Johnny'd be scurrying all around the place trying to grab it. Um, that part was fun. Uh, it was a fun match. Um, it was a little silly at times. Lots of parkour, lots of climbing up the side of buildings, stuff you'd never see in a wrestling match for sure. But uh, yeah, I guess it was okay. Well, I thought it was decent. I thought it was what it was. It was it was it was entertaining. So that was the whole point. Entertainment is the key. So let's give it to them. Now, the main event. EJ, I yeah, he's giving me the Pentagon sign across the sign. This this next match was just. It is what it is. I'm going to try. I'm going to try and be objective. Okay. I'm going to try and get through this and be as objective as I possibly can. But one of my personal favorite wrestlers right now on the Lucha scene, Pentagon Dark, who is Pentagon Jr. in Impact. But his look as Pentagon Dark, I totally dig, TJ. I love this darker, more sinister, more violent, more not evil, but just more determined, more you know aggressive than what we see in Impact. Would you agree with that? Oh, yeah. yeah. Definitely the colors are a lot more sinister looking than what he wrestles in in Impact. But what about his attitude as a coach? A lot tougher. He's a lot more aggressive. He's in your face. And uh, tonight he took on a heck of a match with the, uh, with the Lucha Underground champion, I believe. Marty the Moth Martinez, who I have never heard of until this episode. But I'm going to tell you what, this guy impressed the hell out of me, TJ. They went in there, and they absolutely beat the living crap out of each other. Uh, But then it got a little too much for me at one point. They were outside the ring, and Martinez walks up, and he rips open Pentagon's mask, which is something they do a lot in Lucha. They're not going to take the mask off, but they're going to try and expose some of the heads so they can do things. Go ahead, TJ. uh, Yeah, it (laughs) I can see why this really got to you because it was ridiculously violent. I mean, 
on talk, but I'm keeping in my mind that it's a TV show and that, that that's what they're shooting for. But wow, ridiculously yeah. violent. Uh, let's put it this way. If you, if you like hardcore wrestling, that's all well and good. I, I that's, that's all you. I'm not going to judge you for that. But to me, when a man takes a fork and actually digs it into the side of someone's head, and he did this. I looked. I watched this segment four or five times over. He took that fork and literally put it into the side of Pentagon's head. That's too much. That's, that's, that's crossing a line to me. That's like, okay, there, there's a difference between wrestling and hardcore and assault. To me, that was legalized assault because you could clearly see the fork going into the side of Pentagon's head. You could see the flex actually separating from the side of his face. That's too much. I can't handle that. I mean, I realized there were guys like Abdullah the Butcher and Bruiser Brody back in the day that did that, that, did that kind of thing. But I've never seen any Bruiser Brody or um, Abdul the Butcher matches where he actually tried to peel the skin off of a man's face. Well, DJ, that's just that's too much. Well, let's keep in mind, I'm pretty sure because this was Lucha Underground, when we get to the real brass tacks, it was probably all special effects and stuff like that, which is why they got away with the things they did. Yeah, I do, we just got to remember it is a fantasy thing in this one. The wrestling is catered towards... You know, it's probably took him 20 takes and a bunch of fake blood and cornstarch and fake masks. I know it's disturbing to see, but at least we know going in that this isn't actual hardcore. This is just theatrics for the story. All right. Well, it's going to go ahead and cut to the chase. Pentagon Dark wins the Leech Championship. And Vampiro, who has had a long history with the company, comes in. And with Pentagon. And with Pentagon. And with Pentagon. These two... These two wrestled in the very first match. What was that match called in, at one when they had uh, Lucha, Ultima Lucha one? Oh, you know, I didn't even see that match. It's just I've known that Vampiro has trained Pentagon for a long time, years back in Mexico. Pentagon and Vampiro had the exact same match at the first Ultima Lucha, and it was even worse than this match as far as the violence. I there did was not get a chance. There was one part of the match where uh, Pentagon actually powerbombed uh, Vampiro through a flaming table with glass on it. Oh my! <laughs> oh yeah, that's just that's just a small sample of what they were doing at that point. But anyway, because of the close relationship between Vampiro and Pentagon, Vampiro presents the belt. Then, as Pentagon is celebrating, Vampiro low blows him. Then all of a sudden, this person comes out. Who I is this guy? A woman or a girl? Yeah, very small build, eh? Very small build. We had this conversation last week. Isn't it, isn't it a tradition in Mexico for them to do something like that, where they have a wrestler that you don't know what sex they are? Yeah, but that's usually in a three-man thing. That's usually not uh, a singles thing. So that would surprise me. It could have easily been a woman. It could have been a very small man. I'm very confused. i got to admit. I, I question that too, Magic Mike. But yet, Van refers to him as his master. Yeah. We'll have to wait and see how that plays out. But anyway, they come out. They do a number on... Pentagon Dark, they leave the ring, and guess who decides to make an appearance? Jake uh, Strong, the Gift of the Gods champion, comes out and lets everyone know. He says, Cueto told me I could use this anytime I wanted. So that's what he does. He, can't, he puts the Gift of the Gods championship in the referee's hand. He walks over to Pentagon Dark, slaps on ankle lock. Within five seconds, the match is over with. He supposedly breaks, breaks. Pentagon Dark. Ankle. ankle 
And guess what? We have a new Lucha champion in the form of Jake Strong. So, and, and from there, from there we go to the end of the season. Second. Sorry, that there we go to the end of the season. Eh? Yeah, that part of the that segment right there was the end of the season. But then they had some post credit scenes that came on, and the one that really stands out to me was when they were all in the limo. You had Cueto, you had Jake Strong, then you had this man sitting in the shadows, smoking a cigar, and he says. Leans into the camera. See, we got to have that theatrical thing going on. TJ, I'm going to do it too. See, let me see if I get close enough. Is that close enough for you? That's very, it's uncomfortably close. <laughs> okay. But he leans up and he says, Does anyone else have some bad news? Mm-hmm. You tell me. If that voice and that word comes out, you know who we're talking about. We're talking about the king of bad news, Wade Barrett. I'm excited, TJ. I am excited for season five because. Wade Barrett is going to bring a totally new, different and new dynamic to Lucha Underground. I agree. But, the, you know, the thing is, they haven't been signed for a fifth, uh, fifth season yet. So hopefully this will be drum up enough interest that people will want to see it and there will be a fifth season. Because if not, this might be our last segment talking about Lucha Underground. Let's hope not. Well, you know what? It was a very uh, interesting, fun time this week in Lucha Underground. Um, you know, it's a fantasy away. There's a lot of things that happen in there that necessarily would never, ever happen in a wrestling matches and watching the brutality we saw, at least we have the, the solace of knowing that it was all acting. It was all uh, probably multiple takes with many special effects. And uh, it's just sort of our, you know, wrestling game segment, I guess that you could have uh, is what Lucha underground is, but you know what? Speaking about games, tell me once more, about the game they play. I tried to follow it. I I, ha- I haven't really took too much time to look at it, so I missed some of the understanding. But what is this game they play? Uh, the PPE, the wrestling POV, PP, what? Tell me about this. It is the wrestling POV, PPV, point, pay-per-view points game. And what it is, basically, is it happens every time they have a major pay-per-view. Now, they don't do the ones overseas. They didn't do Super Showdown. They didn't do uh, Crown Jewel. They want to focus on the ones here in the States. But uh, Survivor Series, obviously, is one of the big four. Anyone who knows WWE will tell you that the big four is Royal Rumble, WrestleMania, SummerSlam, and Survivor Series. So this one's a big deal. So what it is, is every match that they have on the card, you are allowed to bid so many points now it also depends on what kind of match it is if it's a championship match it's normally 10 points if it is a singles match it's five points it depends on what kind of match it is so what you do is that you put your points down and whoever comes out with the most points at the end of the game wins now here's the kicker say you say uh it's not going to be becky lynch now since she's hurt but charlotte flair versus ronda rousey it's going to be for the W. It's not going to be for the WWE Championship because Charlotte's from SmackDown. So, five points. You go ahead and bet those whole five points. But guess what? If you bet it on Charlotte and Ronda wins, you lose those points. It puts you down. So you can very easily find yourself in the negative by the end of this match, the end of this pay per view, if you don't play your points right. It's a very strategic game, and I enjoy playing it very much. Unfortunately for me. TJ, who reminded me several times in our first episode of Wrestling POV Global, for those who didn't see that, go back and watch it. Reminded me a couple of times that I was the first ever Rick Serrano the turd 
bottom of the barrel award winner. But you have the chance to win three championships. We have the Wrestling POV Championship, we have the Overseas Championship, and we have the Interstate Championship. So you have an opportunity to win three of those titles. Now, the final stipulation, though, for this year is that Tony, Mimi, Rick, and uh, Miguel have all decided to be teams. If you pick one of those four teams to be the winner out of the four, whoever has the most points out of those four, you get an additional amount of points. So you want to play your points right. You don't want to max out because if you max out and you lose most of your matches, you're going to be at the bottom of the barrel. Don't be like Cousin Jay. Okay, Rick? You need to tell your cousin Jay to stop maxing out his points every time he plays. Because that's the reason why he's right now in the bottom of the barrel. Some bitch. <laughs> anyway. Well, that's ahead, the game, folks. That's the game. So, you know what? Uh, tune in to Wrestling POV and uh, play along. You know, if you're a wrestling fan, this is your chance to flex your ideas, flex your thoughts about how you think this is going to be. Well, speaking about thoughts and things, it's come to the end of the the end of the day and our last bit which we like to do it's a little thing we like to do called face off it's where the two of us take a topic that we both are going to argue each side about we you know sometimes we don't even necessarily agree with what we're saying we're just taking opposite sides to further conversation this week's topic is all about the elite that's kenny omega cody rhodes the young bucks marty Skrull, hangman adam page rumors that they might go to the WWE or that the WWE really wants to sign them. Today's argument, Magic Mike on the face-off is going to talk about why the elite should sign to the WWE and if they're going to. I, on the other hand, am going to take the opposite side where I'm going to say why they shouldn't go. Magic Mike, you want me to go first. Oh, okay. Why shouldn't the elite go to the WWE? Well, there's a few things we should look at here. First of all, let's look at the fact that, let's take Cody Rhodes. Cody Rhodes was already in the WWE, and he was treated as a joke. Stardust was not, we've seen that he is so much more than what the character Stardust would allow him to be. Now, does he run that risk of going back and being just another minor character? Right now, he's the number one guy on the Indies. We've talked about that. He is setting his own pace, his own schedules, and his own matches. The Young Bucks, tremendously talented guys. Sure, they could make a lot of money in the WWE, but where are they going to be? They're not the tallest guys in the world. These guys are like 5'9", five, 5'8". Five, where are they going to end up? 205? And as many as there are some great wrestlers in 205, Grand Metalik, some, some tremendously big stars, they're cut adrift in nothing. They've, they, they've been reduced to nobody cares about them because 205 is just where you throw guys who, who are like the Young Bucks. Um, so I look at these wrestlers and think, there are guys who have so much unique talent. They have so much unique vision, but I don't think the WWE, it would be a money grab, and I don't think they would be showcased right. Looking at you, Nakamura, that happened to him. So in my opinion, in my POV, I got to say it's no. They don't do it, and they shouldn't. You forgot one thing there, TJ. What do you what think that? Kenny Omega's odds would be there? Well, yeah, well, that's... I saw I was running out of time. Kenny Omega was already in the WWE, and he left because he didn't like the way they treated him creatively. There's no way Kenny Omega is ever going back to the WWE. He's been very clear about that. I don't think he cares about the money. Well, here's the thing, TJ, and I've said this several times. 
I think that if they were to go to WWE, number one, their star would shine much brighter because they would get the rub. I mean, despite the fact they might get treated like crap, they're still going to get put on a national stage. They're still going to have an opportunity to, to, try, to apply their craft. I honestly don't think the Young Bucks would get put on 205. I really don't. I think if they come on board, they're going to stick them on SmackDown because SmackDown is the brand that tends to showcase more of the athleticism. They focus more on the wrestling. They would be a perfect fit on SmackDown. And also, in a way, and I hate to say this because I don't want to be cliche, but they are kind of a reminiscence of the Hardy Boys. These guys will come in with the same kind of momentum. They are like rock stars. Anytime the Hardy Boys came out, it was like a rock star entrance. The fans went nuts. I, th- I think since the Young Bucks could have that kind of impact on SmackDown. As far as Kenny Omega goes, his name alone, his name alone is star power. I mean, I think if they bring him in, especially at the Royal Rumble, because think about this. Wrestle Kingdom is when? The 4th of January? Mm-hmm. When is the Royal Rumble? Like the 20th, 28th, 29th? You've got a three-week span of time for WWE to make a move. If they bring Kenny Omega in at the Royal Rumble, oh my God, the roof would absolutely blow off that place. One thing you've got to understand is that the fans are always going to be the final word in everything. Remember, the, they hijacked the show a three, about three or four years ago because they wanted Daniel Bryan to be the world champion again. They hijacked the show because that's what they believed. I think if they brought Omega in, that's exactly what would happen in this situation. I think he would get the same kind of pull with the fans. Hangman Adam Page, he's already out the door. He's going to New Japan. So I really don't see him being a part of this. So Cody, man, he's already made his bed and he's going to lay in it. I mean, if he doesn't want to come, that's fine. But I think if he comes back now, especially after everything that he's did on the independent scene, I think Vince is going to use that head on his shoulders and say, hey, wait a minute, maybe this is a better way to, do, to, to promote him. Maybe this is what we need to give him that better push. And well, that's my POV. That is your POV. You know what, folks? Why don't you write us in what you think? Should the elite, any of the members, sign with the WWE? Are they going to sign with the WWE? You've heard reasons why they may or may not. Check us out on Facebook, the Auto our Wrestling POV. Come on over. We'll have the poll up here in a few days. Let us know because, believe me, this is a hot topic right now because we're getting close to the end of the year. This is a very exciting time, TJ, because this is when things begin to change because New Japan has one-year contracts on their, on their wrestlers, and when Wrestling Kingdom is over, it's either fight or flight. Exactly. Well, folks, we had a great time traveling around the, the U.S. and the world this week. There was a lot of ROH. We spent a lot of time there. We got to talk some lucha. We got to talk a whole bunch of other things. We look forward to talking to you guys next week. I know it's been a great time with me. I've been your host. Oh, my goodness. Wait a second. Magic Mike. Okay, folks, I seem to have lost Magic Mike again. I I don't see Rick Serrano here, so I'm I'm not sure. Okay, Magic Mike. (laughs) I'm going to ask you once and for all, and I demand to know, as the host of this show, (sighs) disappeared to last week. We had people everywhere. I had detectives, dogs, RCMP, the full bit. Where did you disappear to? 
TJ, okay, for God's sake, if you really want to know so bad, I went and took a crap. Are you happy now? Oh. Well, in that case, folks, have yourself a great week. We look forward to you next time on Wrestling POV Global. I'm your host, TJ Logan, and my Magic Mike Singer, boys. We'll see you next week. Our potty trained co-host. Have a good night. Oh, come on, TJ. Wow.